Welcome to the Military Millionaire Podcast, where we teach service members, veterans, and their families how to build wealth through personal finance, entrepreneurship, and real estate investing. I'm your host, David Perret, and together with my co-host, Alex Felice, we're here to be your no BS guides along the most important mission you'll ever embark on, your finances. You're cleared to depart friendly lines. Roger, Vic1, Oscar Mike. What's up, guys? Today I want to give you a quick shout out from our sponsor, me, and the No BS Guide to Military Life. So I just wanted to touch on this real quick because I don't mention this book enough. Uh, and I'm not necessarily trying to sell it to you. You can go download the book for free on my website. There'll be a pop up that shows up and says, Hey, join our email list. You can get the book for free, PDF. Boom. Uh, you can also order the hard copy. I'm a fan of how the hardcover came out. I think it came out really nice in the soft cover. But this book was written for anybody, uh, military veteran alike, who wants to learn about how to build wealth using military benefits and uh, military uh, just opportunities to your advantage. But I will say that it was definitely written with the idea of somebody who is just joining the military. And it kind of goes chronologically through what I think would most benefit you learning at an early age, like your thrift savings plan all the way up through VA loan, building wealth with real estate, and then personal finance, entrepreneurship, uh, personal development, growth, the journaling, goals, uh, and transitioning out of the military, right? This was everything I learned while I was deciding whether to stay in, go reserves, get out. Uh, I went reserves. And so this book is uh, written with you in mind. It's not a sales push. It's an actual like 250, 260 page book that is here to help you as a service member veteran learn how to build wealth. So go check it out. You can download it for free or go to Amazon or go to from military to slash book. I hope it helps. Let me know. What up guys. So this is Dave and Alex and we are coming to you live. We're doing our, I guess this is month two of just Dave and Alex doing a podcast. This one's going to be a little bit more casual because uh, quite frankly, I'm a big pussy and I've just been on my feet and doing zoom calls like all fucking day. And I was like, damn, Alex, do you think, uh, being casual instead of having all the lighting on and standing will bother you or bother anyone. And Alex was like, man, how many people watch the YouTube? And I was like, realistically, like maybe 10% of our listeners. So if you're on the YouTube and you see that I'm just sitting in my chair without all my fancy lighting on, I'm sorry. This is, I'm this is the real me. So <laughs> Alex has got his fancy shawl on. He's looking all, look at him. Is that from your, uh, your box? My box. Don't you do like a, don't you have like a subscription to like this once a month men's I fashion? That. I cancel that. That's, no. um, that's a good idea for people who don't have any style and don't care about style, but it's not a good idea for somebody like me who cares about the way I look and wants to present, I think a very unique you know, style. Yeah. Like, uh, okay. I don't know. We're going to get into this, but people look, Wearing what, what you wear mostly for the most part doesn't matter, but if you're gonna wear something, then it does matter what you choose mm. because yeah. what you choose to um display to the world it doesn't mean you have to spend a lot of money, but it does represent who you are to the way they the way that you look represents who you the way you are. So, yeah, um, what you try to wear, how clean it is, whether it's pressed or not, the way it fits. Um, these things matter. And so if you go off and you get a box, that's, that's, that solves some of the problems of having to like choose and like what's in style and taking the time to shop and like, does it fit? It solves a lot of those problems. But then what you end up getting is you get a bunch of generic stuff from Target, which is perfectly fine if you are a generic Target kind of person of which mm. I am not. 
Meanwhile, so, on the other end of the spectrum, I'm the guy who runs around in sweatpants and a hoodie and doesn't give a shit. Unless it's like an event where I'm like, yeah, I care to dress up because I enjoy I enjoy dressing nice and I enjoy dressing up, but not as much as I enjoy just being comfortable. And so all I'm saying is you can tell me all you want in the world that how you dress shouldn't matter, but it does. Oh, it totally does judge you for it. And people decide, you know, pink T-shirts turns a lot of people off. And that's exactly why I do it. And um, yeah, I've been so I've definitely been chastised for wearing like jogger pants or sweatpants to a dinner with friends or with or with other people and i'm like i kind of it's like yeah i get it i don't really care like i wasn't here to impress you if i was here to impress you i wouldn't have worn sweatpants yeah uh like i said it's you know every it's a huge conversation to have and not yeah. relevant uh, i'm wearing joggers right now i just went off and i found a pair of joggers that i like from a company I don't, I don't remember the company, but I found a pair of joggers I like. And so what I did was I went off and I bought like nine pairs in different colors. And uh, now I'm working on getting some fancy sneakers so that I can kind of wear joggers everywhere. That's going to be my new bit. I'm going to text this guy. I've called I've called my acquisitions guy like three times today. No, no, no. We're on a show. You don't get to do work while we're on a show. It's not a, it's not like a chill in phone call. He's doing it anyways. He has no respect for his listeners. That's what I'm no I, respect for his listeners. I texted so, recording podcast. So, so I've, I've called him like three times because so, we have no, something no. very You've, important we need to talk about. You don't about. get to tell the, and, yeah, the listeners. You don't get to do that now. They don't have to get, they're not going to get wrapped up in your personal business. It's Look, not personal business. This is real estate. We have a contract that the sellers try to back me, out of in two days. So yeah. it's important. <laughs> well, I've known you a long time. So that tracks. You're really bad at real estate. Yeah. So you asked me or you had said you have a presentation tomorrow tomorrow evening or this evening for a mastermind group. And I, I, I wanted to give out, I want to give our listeners some actual advice, something that I do uh, or so, and some insight to how these things work. So if you've been doing real estate for any amount of time, eventually you're going to start wanting to make content. And if you're any good at it and you have something to say, people are going to ask you to teach, whether it's at a local, you know, meetup group, if it's on a digital mastermind at a conference, whatever, somebody's going to ask you to give a presentation on what you know. I recommend that you have a few topics saved that you can speak fluently on, that you have them, you know, the presentation's kind of lined up and ready to go. And the insight that I wanted to give David, but I didn't want to give it to just David, I wanted to give it to everybody was like, most of the time, these people, they have seats to fill. And so they're worried about getting people to this event. They're worried about getting guests they think can attract, um, can attract and provide value to um, guests. And so they're not super concerned about what it is that you are going to talk about. And they're not, they don't have a big list of things that they want you to talk about. What they want you to talk about is what you think you can provide the most value and will be applicable to the guests that are going to show up. That's not always easy because you're like, I don't know who's going to be there. But... Uh, what I recommend is you have topics ready, which is annoying because, but if you ask them for what topics they need you for, they're going to say they don't know. Or in David's case, they're going to give you the topic less than 24 hours in advance. And now you're scrambling to, to develop something which may or may not be a good fit for you. Yeah. And, and full disclosure on this, I have four or five presentations that are done up, but I even had the uh, PowerPoint done. Like I sent the finished PowerPoint to a VA and was like, yo, make this look fancy. So they look really good. Um, it just happened that the four or five topics I was like, these are, you know, what I have prepared wasn't what they were looking for. And this is for a good friend. So it, it's not like a, it's not like a, 
if it was somebody I didn't know or didn't really care about, I would have been like, well, like, this is what I got. And you didn't give me a whole lot of time, but it's for a friend. So it's more of a, it's less of a, like, oh my God, I have to do this. And more of a, like, it's like the dressing the part, right? It's like, I don't have to wear a suit, but I would like to for this event. So I'm going out of my way to try to make uh, something valuable, which is great, except Wednesday happens to be my busiest day this week. So I was just speaking in generalities for our listeners because I care about our listeners. I know. And I'm a piece of shit. Hey, speaking of listeners, we slacked off at the end of the year. I noticed those numbers, but we are hitting record listeners now. So I want to say thank you to everybody who listens to the show. Something like in 2019, way before I joined, you had a thousand listeners, a thousand downloads per month. Well, that was the beginning of the show, yeah. That was the beginning of the show. Tragically bad. And then somewhere along the way, I came on. And now, record highs, 7,000 plus downloads, which if you Google that, that's like top 5% of all podcasts. If we get to like 12,000 downloads, it's top 1%. It, you're right. It was, it was all you. I'm just saying, yeah, I didn't say that. I implied it. You said it. <laughs> I know. I'm just deciding if I want to talk shit or just chill and turn the conversation onto something valuable. So I think I'm going to do let's that. Talk, let's talk about something valuable. Yeah. So uh, why don't we go over, like, what's something you've learned this month or a book you've read or something that's uh, been, like, that's made a big change for you in, in how you see yourself going forward? Anything that stand out? Um, I've been doing YouTube now for two years. I hate it. I effing hate it. I'm not good at it. I don't like talking to a camera. That's not where my strong suit is. Um, where my strong suit is, is, uh, talking to people about real topics, kind of live, uh, building communities. And so I have this idea. I don't know if I'm going to do it. Um, I don't know how to do it rather is I want to do YouTube live. Well, actually what, what I was thinking about doing was doing Twitch live. But um, streaming. Oh, Peter Neal. I need to talk to him about raising money. Um, but but Twitch. I don't know anybody on Twitch. It's it's like a it's hard to develop a community. I already sort of have a community on YouTube. So I'm thinking about doing like YouTube Thursday nights live, and we'll talk about real estate and other stuff. And I think that there's a path forward for me there. So definitely, I have a superpower in creating local communities, creating real like I have a book club now that's doing really well. Like creating communities is definitely a superpower of mine. It's how to leverage that. Um, and find a way to make content that's that's valuable and, and can have a hard big reach. So always be pivoting. I like it. I'm a huge uh, huge fan of TikTok right now. I've been pushing people there. The the growth or outreach I've seen from TikTok. Like when I first got into like watch TikTok, I was like, eh, like nobody cares. Nobody's gonna click on the link. Nobody's going to follow you from this. Nobody's going to, you know, they're just going to watch the video. And even if you have a huge following, like the engagement's going to be terrible compared to everything else. Um, I was wrong. I get more views from TikTok than any other social media platform on my website. I have gotten, we grew, I think it's like 19%. Like the Facebook group grew like 19% in the last 30 days. And like half of those are from TikTok. Uh, that's like 10,000 people. It took me a year to get, not even that many people in the Facebook group. And now I did it in like, I think we grew like almost 8,000 people last month, something like that. It's crazy. It's like, holy crap. And so uh, 
and the time that re is required for like recording a TikTok video is so much less than YouTube or like you don't have to put a ton of thought into it. You don't have to. You, I mean, you can. I've done some videos where it's like me conversing with myself about a topic and they do well. I also did a video where there was literally 11 seconds and I was like, I'm going to teach you how to get rich with your TSP and your VA loan. So follow me, you fucking idiots. And it got like 100,000 views or something. I don't know, 60, 70,000 views. And I got like 60 emails from it. And I was like, that took me maybe two minutes. <laughs> so it's kind of crazy. Yeah, I that doesn't appeal to me. Um, view counts are higher on TikTok because you can get a you can get, you know, at 60 seconds, you can get 10 times as many views as you can in for a 10 minute video on YouTube. So just by time, you know, view count goes up and I'm glad that you got, you're getting engagement, but, um, for me, yeah, for me, it doesn't, I'm looking for something else. I'm not looking for yeah. clicks. I'm looking for a lot more nuance. Oh, no, I, I'm just saying like, if you were to want to do Twitch, you could totally pull sections out of your Twitch and just upload them there and push people towards it and they would come to your Twitch from it. Yeah, well, I think I'll do YouTube Live. I think YouTube is, yeah, you yeah. know, I think YouTube Live is, I don't know yet, but I already have a platform on YouTube. I hate the idea of starting over for basically the same same thing. Um, but yeah, uh, but how do you do that? How much time does it spend, do you spend ripping, you know, highlights and rehosting? I don't. You pay somebody to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't, sure. I don't. We don't even do it with the podcast. Like I've got a call next week with somebody, a, a VA who used to edit my show, um, who now does her own thing. And she's turning clips from podcasts into like Instagram reels and TikTok, which is what I would like to do. Cause that would get way more engagement than the YouTube channel. But it, it's something I've known would get more engagement than the YouTube channel. But me going back through the podcast to edit pieces out is just not, not that it's That's not a good use of my time. It's that my time is, too unscheduled and all over the place for me to sit down and go, Oh yeah, I should do that. So, uh, yeah, to me, it's tedious and, and annoying. If I could find somebody to follow me around and grab all my great content and help me with like actually marketing it, then once I can afford to do that, I'll be, I'll be in really good shape. But right now I put out great content. I just do it kind of when I feel like it in random places and, uh, I don't repurpose any of it. So, and I don't really market it. Like I just posted a great blog post about like you know, some philosophical problems of American life and loneliness. And, you know, I'm not going to share it. I'm just going to put on my blog and it'll sit there for the couple of hundred people who see it. And, and that's it. And, but if I could get somebody to like, you know, take all my content and actually, um, you know, make a machine out of it, then that when that day happens, I think I'll, I'll do a lot better. And same for you. When you can yep. afford somebody to take the content, repurpose it re and turn it into a machine, you'll do well. I've been trying to get with like a professor at the school locally, like one of the colleges and say like, Hey, you got people who want to build their portfolios and intern I'll pay them. Like, it's not going to be an unpaid internship, but it would be cheaper to use like a junior in college who wants to get into that world and say, Hey, I'll pay you less because you're a student and you don't necessarily need 3000, 4000, $5,000 a month, but I'll also share your crap everywhere, tag you and stuff and boost your, you know, your, your, portfolio or whatever uh nobody wants to do that until yeah. they know you're a sure thing but by the time you know you're a sure thing you can afford to just pay somebody and not have to give them a piece yeah i'm in that weird spot where i can see the value but i can't justify the cost it's like i'm like in the gray area where it's like i could probably afford them but not it wouldn't be a smart purchase yet but i'm also Same. at the point where like i can i'm on the i can see the growth so I need to just justify the expense sometime soon.
there's yeah. the value add. If anybody wants mentorship and they want the value add, that's, that's the one of the two that I would, you know, throw out to the world is somebody to just, you know, move in with me and follow me around with a camera all day, uh, which nobody's gonna take me up on, but, uh, or like a chief of staff, like integrator type personality. Yeah. I have a camera. Uh, I would not waste my time on David Perret. Yeah. Yeah. Me neither. That's, I'm too that's valuable the problem. That. I don't waste my own time with my camera. I'm like, <laughs> Um, I also want to start another podcast. I've been, I, I have most of the infrastructure worked out. I want to start a podcast about like culture and politics, which is a heavy lift. I have a bunch of smart people who want to talk, who are, you know, have said yes. It's just, it's all production. It's all production costs. And I haven't been willing to pull the trigger and I'm going to do some of it myself. Um, so yeah. So I'm going to, um, the book I read over the last month that is something I should have read years ago and I'm just recommending to everyone right now is the book uh, Free to Focus by Michael Hyatt. It's a little older. I think it's like 10 or 12 years old. Um, you know, so compared to the books you read, it's ancient history. Um, and um, but it's it's so everyone talks about time management and time blocking and scheduling and yada, yada. This is probably like the the book that has broken it down the simplest way and like has like a system for how to set it up uh, and has things in there. Like I had never even thought about setting up a like not to do list. Like prime example for me is I will not problem solve prior to 11 and I will not schedule stuff prior to 11 so that I can work out, eat breakfast and have an hour or two of like working on projects or thinking through problems or whatever before Cause what I was realizing is like, I was showing up at the office and like my assistant would be like, Ooh, you're here. I've got 10 million things. And they're all like two second things. And it was like, by the time I'm done doing that, a half hour is gone, which is great. But the, the bigger issue is that my brain power, right? Like there is a de de definite diminished return between like solving 10 really small pointless problems and then sitting down to like, think on a really big issue as opposed to just not doing anything until you focus through finding the problem on the big issue and then tackling all the little things. Um, or I, I won't schedule calls after 5 PM anymore. Right. We just moved our call right before that or every other week one, which is the only thing I had after 5 PM. So like now I can spend time with my kids at night. So um, that book is really helped me implement or get better at saying no. Cause I'm terrible. I'm terrible at saying no. And it's been wrecking my life lately and it's all my fault. So, uh, for anyone who's struggling with not having enough time, free to focus, Michael Hyatt, uh, super easy read and super applicable. So nice. I am wrapping up two books, uh, born, uh, dare to lead by Brene Brown. It's a good one. Yeah, that is a good book. Uh, which I don't see recommended very much actually, but very, very good book. I think uh, I'm going to say this, it's going to sound fucked up, but I think it's a girl, uh, it's a girl oriented. It's written by a woman. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and it's, the women I know like it, but it hasn't trans trans transferred to the male entrepreneur industry, but it is very good. Uh, highly recommend. Yeah. And the other book I've just finished reading is, the Changing World Order by Ray Dalio, which is a new book. Halfway through. Not, you what? Halfway through the audiobook. Buying yeah. the physical copy already. That is a sequel to The Big Debt Crisis. The Big Debt Crisis is basically like, if you have these problems, then your country is going to get ready to fail. And then uh, we had those problems. So he wrote this book and he's like, okay, now that you fucked this up, this is what's going to happen next. <laughs> um, so pretty pretty uh, not bleak, just like get ready. You know, The dollar is going to devalue. 
China's going to win. Get ready. Yeah, if you want to, uh, if you want to have a really optimistic outlook on the next decade in the uh, country, read uh, "Changing World Order," um, "The Fourth Turning." Uh, oh, I don't. I mean, there's so many. Um, Capital in the 21st century. Yeah, we're yeah. this America. You want to get really crazy? Read you some. Uh, what's that stinking Federal Reserve conspiracy oh, that's book? Such a- uh, the creature from Jekyll Island. I don't really like recommending that. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of that one either, but it gets people fired up. <laughs> yeah. Well, what they do is they read that book and then they're like, they, and it's a book about conspiracies for conspiracies. And, um, you know, they read that one book and they're like, the Federal Reserve is a big cabal. And I'm like, I know what book you, I can tell when you when people, people have only read that one book about the Fed. Mm. Um, Ooh, speak. another one, uh, which I don't think you've read yet per our conversations and you need to is Atlas Shrugged. Oh yeah. No, I haven't read it. Um, I mean, it's a fiction, so it's, you know, but it's, uh, Oh, you, you read Fountainhead though. Right. So you, you like Ayn Rand. Yeah. I read Fountainhead. I like Ayn Rand. She gets a bad rep, but I think that a lot of people give bad reps to dense books. They haven't read because it's easier to, what's Taleb say? He goes, it's easier to summarize a book you haven't read than a book you have read. Well, and, you know, Atlas Shrugged is about capitalism, which is arguably not the most popular conversation in the country right now. So I mean, it's not about ca- capitalism, right? But it's kind of encapsulates like, who is it? Uh, Patrick Bet David has a picture on the, the wall behind his recording studio of uh, Atlas Shrugged and the Communist Manifesto like overlaid. And it's like his yin yang. And it's kind of funny, but. Like, I don't know if I'd call Atlas Shrugged the the yin to the yang of, you know, communism, but uh, honestly, probably the best fiction book I've ever read. Like, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It's like a 60 hour audio book and I crushed through it. Yeah, I'm rereading uh, with a book club of mine that's actually going uh, better than I had ever hoped. Um, we're re- reading Infinite Jest 100 pages of the week. And that is a bleak oh. book about addiction, and suicide and yeah. Uh, consumerism and meaninglessness of people's lives and it's bleak but it's also it's very uh it's a kind of a tragic humor it's a lot of tragic comedy it's a lot of humor in it so it's we're a- uh, we're going that we have probably eight people that show up week every week to read this book with me which has been fantastic i even found somebody some or somebody found me they just googled infinite just book club and found me and i'm like you don't you know buy real estate or know anything That's about cool. this she's like no she shows up every week she's so uh my social circle is expanding into readers which i, I I'm just enamored by that's actually really cool yeah uh infinite jest is i i don't know if bleak is the word i would have used to describe it so much as just intense like that was that was a very long book much like atlas shrugged and it was not a book that i was like oh i'm getting in the car i get to listen to this book for 10 minutes it was like okay all right we're gonna finish this because i told alex i was gonna finish this you should have read it with us I, 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 yeah, I don't know if I could, I don't dude, a hundred pages of that book a week would have been a lot for me to bite off. That was not my like Sunday comic book reading, you know, <laughs> it's a, it's a, that's a, you gotta be committed to read that book. That is, that is not a, uh, not for the week of, not for me. 
not for the week. The second, like it's me. my second go. And in two years, I'll reread it again and I'll do it in a group setting so I can get other people to go through it because it's a, uh... I will be reading some of the other books with you. Um, so yeah, for anybody else that wants to join in, I'm doing a book club. I think I'm going to, I had four books, I had three books planned and I think it's going to end up being a regular thing. The next one I think we're going to read is 20,000 leagues under the sea, uh, a book that everybody knows exists and few have read. Uh, I just read Moby Dick, which turned out to be an amazing, an amazing understanding of uh, human obsession. Like I'd never really uh, come across before. And then uh, after that, we're going to read The Spoke Zarathustra, which is um, Nietzsche, Nietzschean philosophy about hyper individualism. And then we're going to read Antifragile, which is economics and philosophy. A must well, 100% read. 100% follow you on Antifragile. Yeah, I just finished The Spoke Zarathustra like three months ago, so maybe. Great. That's what self-help could only wish it could be. It's very introspective. All right, so, okay, so we've talked about some books, some podcasts, some some things we're learning, some things we're doing, some irons in the fire. Uh, real estate. Uh, what do you got going with real estate? I'm a terrible flipper. I've learned this. I'm terrible mm. at flipping houses. Because I don't want to show up every day and do it. I just want to set it on auto. And I don't have a, pro- I don't have a contractor or a, a, proper, a project manager that will just, you know, kind of help me. I'll find deals. I'll pay for deals. You do, you know, the thing. I don't have that. So I've been getting my ass kicked. That said, I finally got a property on the market. It's going to sell. It's under contract. We're going to make some money. And that's going to be well. Also, Climb Capital is going to come... Um, under contract here for a bunch of properties that we're going to be raising money for. Uh, resort RV parks are our bread and butter now. They are, resort RV parks are today what C-class value add multifamily was in 2015. Hmm. Get ready. Now, C-class multifamily value add properties, are, you walk on cap rates of freaking three and a half percent. It's saturated. Game is up. Value at a uh, 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 resort RV parks just getting started. You can still get high cap rates. You get you can get A and B class tenants, um, and the market is growing. So and it's fragmented. So it's kind of like self storage. It's kind of like self storage. So we're very excited about that. Would be a lot of opportunities to make some money with some people. Well, the nice people. thing with like an RV park is like they pay you up front. What do you mean? Right, like. People come in, they they come in to visit your RV park and park there, and they paid you to stay there. And so you're not going to sit there and be like, you're going to pay? I'm trying to collect, I'm trying to collect rent. You're going to pay? Like, that's amazing. Because even with it's storage mostly... units, like storage units, you're not dealing with people, but they can still stop paying. And then you got to deal with all their crap. Yeah. Well, but it's not so hard to deal with their crap, but, but I feel you because, uh, but this is like, yeah, I mean, you park there, right? You, we're, we own the land. We own the land. So there's a, there is some percentage of long-term renters. We're also, we're in, we've been working with a tiny home manufacturer. So we're putting tiny homes on the properties to do as Airbnb. Bro, I'm telling you, Climb Capital is, uh, was a very good move for me. You should follow Jeremy on TikTok. I do. Jeremy Hans is on TikTok and he is a goofy, he's a goofy dude, but he's putting out valuable information. So yeah, uh, we're, we're looking to hopefully buy 65 million in real estate this year is the goal. I think we'll have probably 10 million under contract before the end of February. Um, so yeah, very exciting times. Yeah, it's good stuff. I got, uh, let's see, 
man, I, I closed on one yesterday that I'm so stoked about. So I, I, I closed on the buy side and private money paid it. I think 1.10% interest. Uh, so, you know, good terms for, for him. Uh, he provided the purchase and renovation. So we are hundred percent loaned or, or, you know, hundred percent funded on reasonable terms, no monthly payments, just do at the end, uh, for a flip. I, love that. I, I might actually burr it, but, um, the numbers on it are great. And it's a very light renovation. Uh, realistically, I could rent it right now if I swapped out some carpet, but we're going to actually update it to make it nice. And because it's right next to a uh, college in town, uh, right? I guess sandwich between two colleges in town. So it's a good location. Um, and so it's just cool. Like I've got several properties that we've either just closed on or just about to close on or under renovation or, or whatever. But this one's cool to me because it was like I sat back and was like, oh, this is the first time I've had like a 100% financed for both purchase and renovation in one transaction and funded the renovation account and started the next day. Like super cool. Yeah. That is getting so easy to get right now. And people are really, really, really bullish on real estate, which astounds me kind of. Um, so yeah, I see both sides it. of that coin, which is why I'm trying to buy stuff. I, I won't, I'm not buying unless it's 70 for five, 75% of the after repair value after all my costs. Yeah. Um, so I'm, you know, like for example, this one, we got this one for 60 ARV on, it's like 120, and we're going to put 25 into it. So nice. yeah, it's like, I'll Hard buy that because even if the market takes a 30% hit, I'm good. Uh, I won't buy full market value on a renovation right now. And I'm not trying to do any gut jobs because I don't trust enough to do a, I say that I've got a 90, $90,000 reno going right now. Um, that's a huge deal, but there's a ton of upside on that one. So I'm pretty confident, but yeah, I'm not trying to take, like I told my, my, my COO acquisitions guy, whatever we're calling him now. Um, I told him last week, like, yo, we're not, we're not in the business of full renovations right now. Cause I don't want to get stuck on a $60,000 in and the market <laughs> goes the other way. Yeah. I don't know if the market's going to go the other way. It seems really, yeah. I mean, I don't, it's kind of like a, you know, it's kind of like the black swan where he's like, if you measure everything in the market and it looks good, you know, people think that means it's good. It's like, yeah, it's not the things that you can measure that get you. It's all the things you can't measure. Well, and the, the thing is like, we're looking at 25 weeks for windows. You know, we've called 10 places. So it's like, yeah, there's like weird, there's the, the economy is in a weird spot. Like it looks good by a lot of accounts. And then you like, you actually get into the weeds and like, I know like Kate, you know, she has stores closing left and right for good um shipping is weird and like a lot of things there's there's some weird the weird stuff and then i uh did they announce the rates we didn't talk about rates we should talk about we should pivot to rates yeah so the thing for me is like that renovation is great but i mean 25 weeks that puts that on its own will put me past the six month mark on financing which means it gets more expensive for me you know we were budgeting a three-month renovation well, that's all well and good but if you can't get the pieces in <laughs> like yeah i have the same problem with contractors right now where it's just like I mean, I can find deals, but I can't get anybody to do the actually work in a reasonable amount of time. That's just, it's tough. Oh, did you see my bobblehead? I did see your bobblehead. The world needs to see my bobblehead. That's hilarious. I thought that was way, hilarious. He looks way handsomer than you. I Yeah, my kid was like, that's not you. He's skinny. I was like, thanks, buddy. Thanks. Thanks, Jackson. Wait, he was just, was he telling you the truth or was he insulting you? I, I think both. 
<laughs> Yo, it, the truth hurts, bro. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Reserve right uh, rates are going to raise in March, and it's going to end bond purchases this month. I don't know how it's going to affect the market. I know. I know it's this. It's like a. It's you know. It's the end of a subsidy. So we'll see. It'll be interesting times. We'll yeah. I mean, bit. I'm by no means an economic expert, but I view interest rates as like the throttle to a market. And, and I guess to, to clarify what I mean on that is if the market's trending up and rates go down, then the market trends up much faster. If the market's trending up and all statics point towards the market trending up and interest rates go up, then the market trends up slower. Like I don't, I don't necessarily think interest rates alone swing a market so much as speed up or slow down how fast it's moving in that direction. I'm actually really excited about rates going up be, just because I, I mean, we know enough. I, I, I know enough about the Fed to know that if we don't do that, we're fucked. <laughs> like we don't have any leverage left. We don't got all the levers are levered. Like we let the rates go. But uh, nobody wants to be the guy saying, hey, we should increase interest rates because I like having low fixed rate debt. But uh, yeah, I just made a video on this thing about YouTube. If anybody's curious about my thoughts on inflation, I just made a long form video about this. But uh yeah that's pretty much how it works i mean everybody's had a subsidy everybody who's winning in real estate is doing on the back of low interest rates which is you know people love they love to to say capitalism 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 and rail on socialism but the reality is for the last 12 years we've had a top-down economy not a bottom-up economy the federal reserve has basically been you know subsidizing everyone with low rates if it was a market-driven economy for interest rates, like like it could be, um, rates would be probably much higher, much, much, much higher. And I wonder how much, you know, what would real estate look like if mortgages were seven percent rather than three? What if mortgages were ten percent? Um, and the same for for commercial rates. Yeah, now, I mean, supply and what demand I think, wouldn't be as off. Yeah, what I really think is going to happen. Really, what I really think is going to happen is they're not going to raise rates or they'll raise it really, really little, little, little. The market will slow like it did last time. They raised it 75 basis points and the foreclosures came, uh, the, not the foreclosures, the, um, the loan defaults. Because you got to remember, uh, there's a not insignificant portion of commercial debt that is fixed, uh, that is floating rate. So when the rates go up, the commercial mortgages, 5, 10, 15, $20 million mortgages that are floating rate, you got a $20 million mortgage and it goes up one or two points. That's a 20% increase in debt service. So now the defaults start rushing in. It's not about the fixed rate guys, it's about the bigger guys. So the defaults start raising, rushing in. And then the Fed's like, oh, we can't take that. So we're going to lower the rates. And you're going to further devalue the current. This is what Dalio was basically talking about. This is, I mean, he, he only said what, it, it, it's not news. It's just, new, it's just new to us, but it ain't, it ain't new. So yeah, it's been happening for centuries, different countries, yeah. different times so the thing to watch is for the digital dollar and the digital the rmb the one the digital the chinese dollar that's going to be the next that's the one that's the crypto to buy i think i mean i'm totally speculating but that that i think is going to be the the one to get is the crypto the chinese crypto one all right so we'll, well, let's do this let's this will be valuable for listeners not that either of us is an economic market 
expert per se, but we're, I know you're definitely further along on the education train than I am on big market economics, but I would imagine that both of us have probably read more books than the average Joe, right? I mean, I've read Big Debt Crisis and 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 several different books as well. I haven't read uh, 21st Century yet. Uh, that is in my wish list slash lineup. Um, after I finish a couple more books on trying to unfuck myself and uh, how I get in my own way. Um, a lot of work to be done there. Dude, it, it's nuts to me. I sit back and I'm like, how does this still bother me? But it's it's a real thing. Uh, um, 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 if you were Alexander Felice and you had $100,000 cash handed to you today, how are you investing it? Uh, same way I invest the hundred thousand dollars in cash that I come into on a somewhat regular basis. Um, I just asked it that way because it would <laughs> it would provide a like. So actually, look, look, look. So it's actually interesting because um, how you invest is scalability does matter. So if you ask me, hey, I have a hundred thousand dollars, how would you invest it? Versus if you have ten million dollars, how would you invest it? They would actually be much different answers. So scalability matters because. Because you, you can do certain things with hundred thousand dollars and you can't do with ten thousand and, and vice versa. Well, so or the first if you thing have th- twenty million dollars in cash, you might stick it all in bonds because you only care about capital preservation. Sure, right, exactly. Things like that. And also it's like, what does it cost you to live? Right? A hundred thousand dollars is not gonna you still gotta go to work tomorrow, right? A million dollars, you still gotta work tomorrow. You can hand somebody ten million dollars, it's like I don't have to work tomorrow. Yeah. I don't have to work tomorrow. So now my life is changed in a way that's much you know, like you said, now it's like, oh, a lot more goes in bonds because like now I don't, I want to, I want preservation of capital more than I care about returns. So a hundred thousand dollars, um, I would stick, I'd stick the majority, the overwhelming majority into SPY. I'd probably sit on 20% cash. For the listeners, what is that? I'm sure somebody doesn't know. Uh, SPY is um, equal weight, equal weight traded uh, ETF for that follows the S and P, uh, kind of like VTAX, uh, the Vanguard Total Fund, right? It follows the market. You buy the American economy, yeah. um, because for me, investing in the stock market, I don't want to think about it. Um, also, I would say, actually, let me re- let me actually reparcel that out. I would say I would probably keep twenty grand, 10, 10, 10, 15 grand in cash. Let's see. This is, I would put twenty five thousand into a LP position as an investor, and then fifty thousand, six sixty thousand into SPY. That's what I would do right now. But I'm heavily invested in real estate already, right? I'm heavily invested in real estate already. So if somebody you know doesn't have as much real estate, then I would I would kind of put more there. But right now I'm looking more at. I have a lot in real estate. I'd like to get a little more diversified into the stock market. Yeah. So uh, SPY, uh, VTSAX is where, so so with the stimuluses last year, I took all of them except for the last one, one and a half and just stuck it 50-50 and I created a Vanguard account for each of my kids. And uh, one of them is in in VTSAX, and, which I'm super stoked about because they're both closing it. Well, maybe not after this last week, but they were both about to be at $10,000, which to have a five-year-old with 10 grand in a you know, S&P 500 tracking 
index fund, like I was pretty happy about that because that's more money than I had when I fucking got out of high school, let alone <laughs> five years old. So, um, but, and then, you know, of course the last bit we bought a four wheeler with, which was totally great investment, uh, in, in life. But, um, uh, it's interesting you say that I, I forget that you are equally as much an index fund guy as I am when it comes to like passivity, simplicity, like there's a lot of benefits to it. I don't have as much in raw index funds as I would like, because most of what I was counting as my index fund uh, allotment for the last few years was just straight thrift savings plan, 401k. Um, so I've got 120 grand in there, which is sweet. Uh, but I don't have like maybe a couple hundred, a couple thousand bucks in like an actual index fund uh, because, and this is kind of the answer to my question right now would, would be if the hundred grand hit my account right now, I would pay off the remaining personal debt I have. And I would just put it into my operations account because I'm at, you know, right now it's like having to get a second position loan for a renovation is very expensive. So having it just sitting in my operations account while it might get eaten for a little bit would save me points and interest on things that I'm already doing because yeah, I want to have question. See, that's the problem with that question. It's like, what yeah. would you do with hundred grand? It's like, what would I would do? What would you do? I mean, exactly. for me, I was trying to say like, what, what's a good overall strategy? Because like what I would do tech, like actually a lot of what I would do is I would take, I would put a hundred grand into my rentals and convert them to Airbnb. Yeah. So it's a really hard question to answer. Like, are you asking what somebody should do? Or are you mm. asking what I would do? Well, I would, you know, and I guess, and I will true. say this. If no matter what you do, if you're not sure, it's easiest to do, you know, 60% into SBI, 40% in cash and sit. And now you're like, okay, I'm earning something. I'm not taking too much risk. And I can, I can take my time and figure it out. But like day one, I would get that thing in the market, get it working. And I would sit in cash and I would, uh, or I would pay off debts. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing that's like really good. Sorry. Sorry. That's like really good. Like generic advice. Yeah, I agree. I, I think the, uh, large chunk in an index fund where you're not thinking about it or touching it is great. Uh, I would probably add, I would probably put 10% of it, which is a substantially larger chunk than my, my current port. So for my current like portfolio, I'm between one and 2% in crypto because it's super volatile and in small quantities, I'm cool with that in large quantities. I'm still iffy, but I would not be opposed to if someone handed me hundred grand right now. And I was like, man, let's invest all of this. Uh, probably 10,000, but instead of random cryptos, putting it in things like, um, like Algorand, which I have probably three grand in right now that, um, it's, it's 4% APY that you're earning on that coin. And so like, I love Algorand. I have a couple hundred bucks in Algorand. I've been putting, I've been doing dollar cost averaging on Algorand. That's a good, I'm glad that's so funny that we both, I have never talked about that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love it. I bought it. Uh, so the coin itself has gone up a lot in value over the last year and a half, two years. So that's been great, but 4% return, you know, and, and I'm, there are absolutely downsides to that over, you know, a savings account, but uh 4% is pretty sweet. And there's a lot of coins that you can stake that earn pretty high returns. It's just, again, it's super volatile and you don't really know if that return is going to continue or, you know, so I wouldn't put more than 10% of my portfolio into that stuff. Uh, Last year, the number was 1%. I think the number for Bitcoin for me is still much, 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 or crypto is much lower. Um, Somebody hit me the other day, a guy I know who doesn't invest at all whatsoever. And he's like, what do you think about crypto? And I'm like, or what do you think about metaverse real estate? And I'm like, 
look, like, you know what? There's a lot of people who have a lot of money to gamble that I don't have. I am seriously, like, I am playing the 40-year game. I want to have a reliable retirement. Uh, I want to have an excessive retirement. And there's a lot of ways you can do that um, by making consistent, like, wise investments. Um, And there's a lot of people making money in, you know, gambles. Uh, but I can't, I, a 10% of your portfolio in crypto seems not conservative to me. No. So, okay. I guess, I guess I should rephrase that was if someone had handed me a hundred grand and I didn't have, you know, things to do with it that I would put up to maybe 10% in that scenario. Um, as far as my personal portfolio, it's, it's between one and 2%. So I think I'm. I think if I was to look at my portfolio and I really should add this to my net worth tracker to like break it out into a, uh, like a pie graph. Uh, but I think it would probably shake out to like 80. Well, I added something else in there prior to adding in the valuation of a potential business because someone talked me into doing that. Um, I, it would have been like 80, 85% real estate, like 10 or 15% TSP. And then you know, another 5% scrambled between like a few individual stocks, which is, they were just more like fun, like whatever. Uh, and then crypto and I have some private staking and some private companies. So I, I lent a buddy like 12 grand, uh, probably my first actual investment ever. Like that was in 2009, 2010. It was like, I guess it was seven. So I got a bonus for signing for enlisting and I didn't know what to do with it. And my buddy was building a business and I gave it to him. And that's probably worth like 20 right now. So, but I mean, I just count that. Like, I don't think I'm ever going to ask him for it back because I don't care. But, uh, and then I have Highlight. I like Highlight, like their clothes. And I invested in them like three years ago in a a private offering as a crowdfund when that first kind of took off. I didn't know that. That's why uh, you sent me some Highlight pants one day. Yeah. I was trying to get them to sponsor uh, uh, the, the show. Um, and I couldn't convince them to do that, but they did send me like, they gave me like $500 in free shit. So I sent you some and I sent, uh, I gave John a pair and I love their gym shorts. Their, their jeans. I wasn't a super huge fan of they're comfy, but they're not stylish like the style I would wear, but uh, I love their gym shorts, but yeah, I put 2,500 bucks into it. Um, they almost went public last year and at the valuation, they were going to go public before everything went crazy. Uh, that 2,500 would have been 10 X. So that would have been pretty sweet. Um, but then I also get 50% off for life as an investor. So that was the real reason. I was like, I'll put 2,500 bucks off to get half off this stuff. And they gave me $500 in store credit. So I bought a thousand, I put 2,500 in, bought $1,000 worth of clothes for free and I get 50% off for life and I'm invested in a company that I like. So sweet Dude, deal. Next time you do something like that, hit me up. Cause that's a good, I like that idea. That's a good deal. Yeah. I'm, I, so I like gambling. Like if we were to go to a casino, I enjoy, I'm not like a, I'm not like a reckless, whatever. Like I'm the guy who pulls hundred bucks out puts his card in the, in the, you know, hotel room and says, this is my hundred dollars. Like this is it. Um, and I'm pretty good about that, but I enjoy gambling, which is why I have to do that. And so, uh, I realized that it's more fun for me to gamble on like individual cryptos and, and potential like private companies than it is for me to gamble. It's kind of like the, uh, the barbell theory, right? If, if hundred percent, if one of those companies takes off, and I lose on everything else. I'm good. Yeah. People say, oh, people who pick individual stocks lose 
90% of them lose. I'm like, but do the 10% who win make more than the 90% who lost combined? Because if so, then you, that's a good gamble. I turned three grand into 15 over the last probably 16 months gambling on crypto without any research. Yeah. Well, that the game is long though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I actually sold it all out recently to pay people, for property. People, but. It's so funny. People nowadays, like they haven't, they, Buffett's been spouting off good investing advice for, well, a fucking century. Yeah. And people, <laughs> you know, they do like, oh, crypto's been up higher than stocks for the last two years. And I'm like, okay, but what about over the last 30? It didn't even exist 10 years ago. So like, Lindy. Yeah. I don't know what's going to happen. All I know is it's, it's like everybody else. It's only existed in an up market. Well, it my only existed in an up market. I don't know what it's going to exist like in 10, 20, 30 years. It's my favorite whole life insurance sales pitch. Um, every time I hear somebody say, TSP is terrible. What if the market crashes? I know that there's a whole life pitch coming because they always look at, well, yeah, if you had $100,000 in a 401k in 2007 and you retired in 2009, you would have been screwed. And I'm like, great, you're right. Let's back that out 70 years and do the math on what happens. Oh, yeah, people, well, you know, it's like. People say the same thing about real estate, though. I have a friend who's always like, put your money in real estate because, you know, the stock market's volatile. I'm like, yeah, that sounds good. Except the stock market's been up gangbusters for the last five years. And if you had the same money in stocks, you, you might be doing a lot better in real estate than you have in real, uh, in, in this, if you, you, you might be doing a lot better in the stock market than you have in real estate, depending on the timeline. Dude, my TSP went up 44.63% last year. Yeah. And you're bad at real estate. Like status to the stock. <laughs> Dude, the problem, seriously, the, I started 2021 with like $43,000 in it and I've got almost 120 K in it right now. And I contributed 21. So, I mean, you do the yeah. math on that. That's, in, that's crazy. Yeah. For nothing. The, problem no is, the problem is it's something like, you know, it, it's just more complicated than that because like some significant, like very high percentage of the stock market drops are on only a few days in the world. Yeah. So it's like, it it's all great until it's plummeting. And then you're like, that's when real estate becomes appealing. Yeah. And yeah, vice I mean, versa. It's... And vice versa. Even even in oh in oh nine, 10 when the real estate market's plummeting, I mean the stock market was up. The stock market was back up. You had 08 was like a down 40% year. And every other year since then has been up double digit basically. Well, that's that's why I talk about the TSP and, and diversity, right? Like if you notice, like TSP is a much smaller amount of my portfolio because I absolutely like the I would say security of real estate, but more the, when I say security, I think the ability to control the asset, right? Like I like the fact that I can go in and say, oh yeah, we're going to do this rather than like just hoping or wondering, you know, what the market might do. But I also love the index funds and TSP because it's, you can just set a dollar cost, you know, a set amount every month, set it, forget it, no worries. And it just happens. Yeah, you bet on America. I'll bet on America and it cost me $0 trading. Let's go, baby. Yeah, heck yeah. Yeah, and as much as people hate on where the country may or may not be going right now, I don't have, like, I don't see a country that I'm like, oh, you know what? I would rather bet on that one. Like, there's not a whole lot of places. It's like people people, people are in the country. They see all the problems in the country, but they don't, they forget all the, like, it's easy. It's, it's like anything, right? It's like when you're in a relationship, it's, it's easy to notice when your spouse doesn't do the dishes or, or cook the food and forget about all the wonderful things that may have happened all day. Um, until you're like not in a relationship and you're like, damn, <laughs> you know, 
Tolstoy like, wrote this in a book called Anna Karenina. So for anybody who is wallowing in a relationship that they have, that's like good on paper, but they're unhappy and they want to jump ship, go read Anna Karenina um, for that exact reason. Yeah. Uh, America's America's pretty good place. Hey, yeah. let's end it on that. I love America. Let's invest in America. <laughs> I'll see you next week. Yes, sir. Wait, for real? Is that how you're going to end it? I don't know. You want to say anything? Hey, make sure you leave us a review on iTunes. Make sure you check out Jeremy Hans's TikTok. Make sure you watch my effing YouTube because, um, I don't know, I need I need the view counts. Uh, what else do we need? Oh, actually, I've got an ask. Yeah. Um, if, so these are, these are new, the Alex and I doing just a thing, uh, and we want to do more of them. Now, this is a little bit more casual than I, I think most of them will be a little bit more hyped up because I'm not going to schedule boring tax conversations prior to this but uh topics give us some ideas like if you made it this far and you like the idea of alex and i talking through good bad ugly what we're doing in our businesses right now problems we're solving you know whatever like if you want to talk about businesses we're eyeballing like i've got a couple ideas for new ventures um you know if you want to talk about taxes if you want to talk about like give us a topic because what we would like to do is get to the point where we do some of these and they have some structure, but we also want to do like, if you want to talk about taxes, we'll bring a CPA on, but instead of an interview, we're just going to be like, yo, today we're going to talk about this section in taxes or, or, you know, whatever. Um, or case studies, send us deals that you want us to look at. Yeah. I like that. I would love to do like a, bring someone in for like 20 minutes out of a podcast where we just not like a full interview, but we're just like, yo, Hey, you want to analyze a newbie deal? Um, you know, let's go. So or just email yeah. me questions and we will do, that's a cool idea. We could do that. We could do a show where we literally just have like 20 questions that somebody sent in and we just read through questions. We need to do this. My whole thing is we need to do this on, remember I was saying earlier, like YouTube live, you and I will talk on YouTube live. People can chat in and we'll do it live. And then we'll just put the posting as a podcast. I like that. Yeah. Let's yeah. do one. Let's, let's, let's give do it that. a trial run. Let's schedule it. We'll do it. YouTube live, Facebook. I think we can do both at the same time where it goes to both places. We monitor both. Facebook. Facebook Facebook is for old people. I'm not saying I care about Facebook. I'm saying I've got a lot of people in there. So we'd get a lot of questions engagement. I don't know how much, like, I don't know how much my YouTube live would get engagement. We're going to market it. We're going to tell everybody it's going to be here. And this time it's going to be live. I'm down. Let's do it. On that note, thanks for watching, listening to the Military Millionaire Podcast. And as Alex said, uh, leave a review because you're awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode about my journey from military to millionaire. If you liked it, be sure to visit from militarymillionaire.com slash podcast to subscribe to future podcasts. While you're there, we'd love for you to rate the show. Give us a review on iTunes. Now get out there and take action.